Happy Tuesday morning, everyone. Welcome to Kafaru Cast. I've got my brown partner in crime, Frank the Tank. Yo. On the mic, and uh, our good friend, uh, very funny, funny man, the rooster, Brian Broderick from Alabama. What's shaking? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Brian and I just got done with um, an Alabama Florida hunt, and Frank, who just got done with the show. So, we're going to cover our uh, expedition into the uh, Florida and um, Alabama Ozark Mountains. And Frank's going to talk about the sheep show a little bit. Is that my cue? Yeah, Frank. Yeah, we hi. just got back to the, <laughs> hello. Yeah, we just got back from the sheep show. It was a, it was a pretty good um, shows. Aren't necessarily for me. I'm not the most uh, extrovert. Is it an extrovert? Ent- you're, introvert? you're introverted. Yeah, yeah, I'm a bit of an introvert, but it was a good show. That one's actually pretty fun to go to. Um, the hours aren't super long, and a lot of more. I guess a lot more serious of a hunter at that show. Um, but yeah, it was a good show. We sold quite a bit. We brought, actually brought packs this year, thanks to uh, to Dana. She was kind of the uh, the person in charge of this show, and she the HMFIC. Yeah, she was. She was very stern at, at some point, saying, "Get your shit together, son of a bitch." But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it was a good show. We sold quite a bit. We brought packs. Um, I think that I mean, you can definitely see the the brand is growing, and a lot more people are actually they actually know about Kafaro, and they want to come to the booth as opposed to people just walking through the show and coming across the across the booth so um yeah it was really good we we did uh probably the best we've ever done it at any show at that show and uh it was it was a good time hung out with a lot of cool people thanks to uh all the people that helped us out we had nathan french um he we've had him on the podcast before he's a guide up in bc we had travis bertrand and, and his wife andrea they live down there in reno they're kind of uh they're friends of ours bro staff if you will we had sean smith Jordan Bud, she's awesome. Um, TJ Perez flew out from from Arizona. Um, I hope I'm not forgetting anybody. Braden came out from Alpha Bow Hunting and Triple X Archery. So yeah, we had a ton of good help. Um, also, Ryan Avery was there. And Tanya, they helped out when they could. Uh, so yeah, just a, a really good group of people, and we had fun after hours. Went to dinner with Mr. G and the crew from Spartan Precision. So shout out to them and. Yeah, so it was a it was a good time. the The drive out there wasn't very fun though. It was seventeen hours both ways, and we did it all in one trip both times. And good lord, that was a that was a. Aaron's got this pre workout in his truck because I was fading towards the end of the night, and it's called, <laughs> I've taken this before. You talked about it before on a podcast. It's called Stim Lord, and it's got a little porn star guy with a mustache on the front. And you definitely do not want to take a full scoop of that shit because it will fucking make you shit your pants and then you'll be shaking like a... Asshole, turn around and start talking back at you. <laughs> yeah. Well, all, while all that was going on, uh, Broderick and I were in the tree stand viewing it from social media. Were you guys, did you guys wish you were there? I did not, Brian, did you? <laughs> I don't even think he's listening. What, uh... You morons call sheep show. I call the rut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was I was sick for the sheep show. <laughs> I had the rut myself. Uh, uh, no, no, it was good. We um, I uh, I flew into to Pensacola and uh, and then drove back up with Brian from from there. And then Brian, we we're into action from the moment we got there. It just petered off as day went that day, the days went on. But uh, we had good good action that first night. Well, oh yeah. I mean, the action probably would have been better, but you know, you killed a, a great buck the first morning, and 
But I can see that look in your eyes, and I thought, shit, if I don't start gar holding him now, he's going to shoot another buck. So <laughs> I did good, though. I had uh, the gar holding proceeded. I, I did good. I passed up. What did I pass up? Three bucks, I guess. Um, you passed bucks? Oh, shoot a lot. I mean, we were trying to shoot does. We couldn't buy a doe. It was just bucks everywhere. I was waiting for the green light. I'm like, hey, I got a nine point and a whatever. Well, that eight point, I will say it didn't come within range. That would have been, I don't know if a text would have went out. That would have been a beg <laughs> forgiveness, ask permission thing. But everything else, I was like, hey, there's a whatever. And I didn't get a response, which means don't shoot it. But uh, it was good. That, that, um, we I sh- I shot that buck the first morning. Uh, the I well, I will go through what was going in my mind here in a minute. What was going through in your mind, Broderick? Because I think you had more compelling shit happening in your brain. Well, uh, you know, I was uh, we were in there to hunt a specific deer, and I knew that deer was in there, and we saw him early, and um, and then. You know, he, he came back in on some does, and he was definitely a shooter, and, but he wasn't the buck I really wanted you to kill. And But I was sitting there thinking, okay, I'm a, I'm a total, like, percentages guy. Guy, when it comes to, like, where I'm going to sit, how I'm going to hunt, I'm always playing the percentages. And so I'm sitting here, you know, thinking, today's really the last cold day, then it's going to 70 degrees. It's liable to shut down, and we're shooting a stick bow. So, I mean, there's probably going to be some warm-up shots before we actually close the deal. So, I was like, man, just go ahead. And so, I mean, the look on your face when I said go ahead. <laughs> the arrow was already in the air. You're like, really? We probably waited. what? the shot took place, and I was like. Oh, that was a shit show. What did we wait, probably five minutes with that deer in front of us? That yeah, buck? I mean. Yeah, I was sitting up there, you know, going through all the stuff in my head. And I was sitting there thinking, man, this is just too good. It's too good of a situation. Weather's going to get crappy. You know, we just got to do it. So off we went. So my my first arrow may have hit slightly high. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, as it was breakdancing a bit, I was trying to fire off another arrow at it because climbing out of that stand wasn't i didn't think it would i having done it in reverse if i go back in time i probably should just climbed out of the stand but i ended up unloading every arrow i had trying to hit it again because i (laughs) shot it high and i hit it a couple i had one good hit out of five more arrows and a couple nicks it was not the most beautiful thing in the world and uh I think at one point, what'd you say? You're like, Jesus Christ, go ahead and keep shooting. You can't seem to hit it or something. <laughs> I don't, it wasn't good, but I ended up hitting it again. No, I just said, I just said, keep shooting. And you know, it's not going to get any worse <laughs> at this point. So. Uh, yeah, I hit it. Uh, so the last arrow though was perfect. It, it, you know, the last arrow was, you know, it got right to the lungs and it was over, you know, right then. But I mean, you know, you gotta, you gotta hit them to, close the deal and I just couldn't believe all that went down that fast the first morning so but then I don't know what it is but you can take the smallest deer on the property and Aaron will shoot it in the 12 ring every single time it's like the smaller it is the better the shot because then a doe comes in and he just pinwheels it runs out falls over it's like good grief that oh, this is, of course, after he got down, got all his arrows, went to the creek, 
watched them all. <laughs> Got back in the stand, checked and see which ones were still sharp, and then off we went again and killed a doe that, that, that morning, too, because you can kill a buck and a doe uh, in a day um, until you hit your your buck limit. Well, I thought he was f- messing around with me because I'm the wind's blowing basically in my face. I'm more or less kind of facing the tree now to look behind and to the right of me because of the wind. And he's like, put your fucking phone down. There's a nag coming. You got a doe coming in. And I thought he was kidding. <laughs> and sure shit, it came in straight. I mean, I don't, the wind must have been blowing up some, obviously, because it came in. I mean, it was skittish. Um, and now when I hit, I don't know, what was that, 23 yards, 18 yards um, away? It was fairly close. I can't. I didn't yeah. range it or anything, but it was, you know, and, man, I hit that thing, and it did some damage, and it ran off, and then we, I went over and whatever. We drug the buggy around, and um, we didn't hunt that night. We shot, I did guess you, we shot a bunch of arrows that night. Did we you screwed around. Did you guys put any deer on your back and then take a picture Hard no for me. (laughs) Broderick's lying. He put blood on his face, and I photographed him going through the creek with a deer on his back. Deer on your back, and then you reverse the photo, and the buggy's right there. That shit is horrible, in my opinion. Well, well, that new app you've got, though, I was really wanting you to do it with snow. (laughs) (laughs) That app has put some lightning behind it, snow in the front. Uh, No. Oh, yeah. It, oh yeah, it was a good How trip. How was the though? weather? Was it, it was warm the whole hot, time? Hot, hot. Yeah, that's that's yeah, pretty. It was, uh, pre- that's it not, was really tough. That's not normal for this time of year, right? Because I think last year when we were there, it was fairly chilly. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not normal at all. But <clears throat> it's Alabama. You never know what's going to happen. And um, you know, I was just sitting up there going through all that crap in my head, thinking, man, if we if we sit around here and try to be picky. You know, this thing is going to be, you know, this is just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And I thought, man, I would just, we better go ahead and do this. And I am so glad we did because, goodness gracious, um, we didn't see squat for the, for the next three or four days. I mean, we, sh- we shot some does, but it was pitiful. It was pretty long sits, I think. I mean, even you with the compound, you didn't have... I mean, you shot a few, but um, it was probably what sixty-eight to seventy-five in the day in the afternoon hunt. Um, would you oh, say on average? Yeah, for sure. it, it was it was hot. Um, I mean, it was to the point like um, I was having trouble wearing those rubber boots just because if I had to walk of any distance, good God, because there's there's insulin in them or they're insulated. So um, that last night we sat, I should, I think it was close to 80 in the middle of the day. It was pretty hot. Oh, yeah. You know, it's so funny. Everybody everybody that sees my leather knee boots that I wear, when they see them, they all make fun of me. They ask me if I'm going riding later. You know, <laughs> all this BS. But by the end of the first or second trip, they're all going, now, how much are those? Where, now, where did you get those? And, you know, Crippen down in Florida did the same damn thing, and you saw what his tour yeah. passes were before we got down there. Yeah. I, uh, those are custom I mean, those, boots, aren't those they? Those things are great when it gets warm. Huh? Oh, those are custom, aren't they? You had them custom made? No, no, no. Uh-uh. No, they're, they're uh, dewberries. They're from Ireland. They're actually, they're literally like farm and ranch uh, knee boots, but they're leather, so they breathe, and they're uninsulated. 
So I, I found a long time ago that uninsulated boots are way better than insulated boots for tree stand hunting because when you walk in, no matter what, your feet just get soaking wet with sweat if they're insulated. And then once you sit up there, it's almost impossible to keep them warm. But with those boots that, you know, your feet don't get as hot going in, once you get up there, you can pull those little boot blankets over them, and it's money in the bank. Yeah, and my my thing was, like, I wore those rubber boots one day in Florida, and good God, I thought I was going to have a heat stroke. So, yeah, I can see what you're talking about with the leather boots or those knee-high leather boots. It does look like you're one of those... um, you know, what are the, the women that compete in the, the show horse things or whatever, but they do grow on you. Because believe me, I was looking at them yeah, thinking I may have the, to uh, buy a set. Everybody's made fun of me. I mean, they are a little dainty. <laughs> I will give you that. Um, they're, but, ju- they're just European. my two pair, what's that? They're, they're just, European. They're That's European. right. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, um, but you know, those two pair I've got. One pair is uh, uh, 14 years old. One pair is 15 years old. And you see the crap I put them through. Yeah. And no. all I do at the end of the year is clean them and oil them. And they're still waterproof. Yeah, that's yeah, so definitely anyway, a that's testament to them. Well, I, what else was going yeah. on? Remember in all this, we had the... I'm not going to get mention their name to give them more publicity. We had a traditional archery group like banding people together against the word struggle stick. Um, we had that heavy yeah. momentum traditional or that heavy momentum bow hunting page. I made a post on there basically about, you know, I'm not against Ashby uh, or I don't hate Ashby. I just, there's out of the different principles, there's some I believe in and there's some I don't. And I'm not going to follow a man around like a zombie without asking any questions when I have a lot of my own data so dealing with those two crises in the tree stand and Broderick laughing at them <laughs> yeah I don't I don't get too worked up over that stuff I just enjoy sitting back watching this with popcorn but um you know the, with regards to Ashby stuff man I I mean I mean I'm on board with the majority of what he says it's just you know I, I mean I'm a believer in just about all that he says it's just that when you start throwing out you know the Things like, well, I can't even remember, but, you know, if you increase 60. your FOC to this, you're going to get 60% yeah. more penetration. Well, you know, i got to kind of call a little bullshit on that. But Well, let's, um, let's but look anyway, at it. I mean, my I deer, it pretty funny. Oh, yeah. my deer, I shot that with 24% FOC. Did you know any difference from when I was there last time at 17.8? No, no. It's really what all makes your, whatever makes your arrow fly the best because, you know, when when he lists his things, number one should be arrow flight. But anyway, we don't need to dive off in that shit. We beat that damn horse to slap, slap damn to death. Uh, it, it's it's still getting but, uh, beat to death on on forums. But I I don't think <laughs> you think it, a lot of that stuff only applies to like African big game that you know they're just built a different way as opposed to people going. Hey, I've, a little I, bit too I, I, crazy. I, I've killed all that. I've killed all that shit, Frank. It don't. It don't make any difference. What it is. <laughs> well, let's not beat you the know, horse I to mean, death, but let's talk about that. I mean, uh, I just talked with two guys going over to Africa. They both have eight hundred grain arrows. What are well, they hunting? Um, the uh, the what the ones the Cape Buffalo. Yeah, the Cape Buffalo, and then. Uh, They've both killed Asiatic water buffaloes. One's hunting with a stick, one hunting with a compound. Um, one killed a hippo. Oh, um, shit. 
With and, a bow? Yeah, with a bow. And so, uh, Broderick, I'm going to throw my two cents in real That's quick. and then bitch. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> I, from <laughs> what I talked to them, they were both Keep had about 250 up front um, and an 800 grain arrow. So the FOC is not extremely high with an 800 grain arrow with 250 up front to three. Um, yeah, I just We just did a podcast with Gillingham, which... He's all about 350 and 400 grain arrows flying 300 feet per second. Um, I don't want to go down this wormhole either, but let's take into consideration just for a second, and I'm sure I'm going to come in sounding arrogant here. I don't know why, what, 30, 40 animals for the year, maybe 30-something um, with a stick, which is not hundreds, but it's it's enough to get some decent data and and uh i mean brian there's some years you kill that probably in just pigs alone but i don't (laughs) think that i think that if you have a um you are not you know and i'm only saying this because gillingham's podcast is going to come out you cannot he was trying to tell me his bows whisper quiet at 300 feet per second and the animals hear the arrow not the bow well if that's the case how am i getting second and third shots with five inch chicken feathers with a recurve i mean i'm getting bad second shots where with a compound you don't ever get a second shot so i think that's a crock of shit they're definitely hearing the bow and that means if you shot a a heavier arrow which made a quieter bow it's arguable that that's a better system because you're not going to shoot 1100 feet per second and I mean, my views have changed on this in the sense of shooting stuff with a stick bow now and and getting second and third arrows off compared to a compound where you never do and and the penetration side of things. I think if guys aren't shooting past 40 or 50 yards, mechanical or or fixed blade broadhead, there's arguable reasons to have both or a wider fixed blade broadhead. When the longer distance comes into play, is when you start talking about mechanicals and wind drift, but most people shouldn't be shooting longer distance. And so it's really, uh, you know, you start diving down the wormhole, good God, it's worse than politics. Um, and you've been dealing with this shit forever too. I mean, I don't, how much have you seen change over the last 10, 15 years in aero setups and, and broadheads and, and, and your views on, on a, you know, being down south? Well, I hadn't seen squat change down here i mean it's it's in the south it's still you know grab a grab a 400 or a 340 and slap a rage on it i mean that's just how they roll you know that they don't really put a lot of emphasis on um a heavy arrow setup or really tuning to a you know to a high degree for perfect arrow flight it's just i don't know what it is um, you, you would think it would be the opposite as as many opportunities as people in the South have to shoot, you know. But uh, man, it just it still hasn't really tracked. But what I've noticed over the years is that you know the majority of the hunters are east of the river, but the majority of the people that talk about hunting are west of the river, and and they I think it's because the seasons are shorter, limited you know limited bag limits and all, and There may be more hunters in the east, but a lot of the really good eastern hunters look to the west for technology. And so, because the western guys really have to set up for a different game. And I think that's, you know, what you're seeing is this heavy arrow movement has kind of picked back up in the west. 
and Eastern guys are slowly starting to uh, pick up on it. Um, but the guys in the South, for the most part, still are just kind of doing the same old thing. But, you know, one of the things you mentioned there was the second, third shot. You know, Frank, when Aaron first picked this thing up, I think we all uh, told him, everybody that, you know, he was talking with about setting up with the trad bows, that we all had the common, you know, uh, advice or whatever to him that, you know, you're going to kill a lot of animals on your second or maybe even third arrow with a trad bow. And I, I, I don't think he really could grasp that until now that he's shot that bow, shot the trad bow, and realizes that how quiet it is, um, you do have a lot of opportunities. And I call it firing for effect. So, <laughs> I mean, I've had plenty of uh, shots for effect and then get my range and then follow up, you know, with a good shot afterwards. And it's just a testament to what a, the benefits of a quiet bow. Um, I mean, one of the biggest bucks I've ever killed out in uh, Oklahoma was on a second shot. So, um, anyway, and you know, that, I guess that does lead into the other thing you, you mentioned was the, the whole, um, you know, uh, drama and stuff that was going on over the word struggle stick, uh, on the old interweb while you were there in Alabama. Cause that was pretty funny too. Yeah, so the, I'm not going to bring him up, this guy posts kind of an anti, he said the struggle stick sounded like erectile dysfunction, and I think I posted (laughs) at your age, you would know by far more than me or something. I didn't know the guy, and so then I I talked to him, uh, private message, and I thought we had everything under figured out, and he posted again about it and then of course people are posting back and forth against it or pro and you know i'm i'm like i i I finally end up talking to the guy on the phone and i'm like look i don't deny it's between your ears and not the weapon you can be very lethal with a recurve obviously i've killed stuff with it uh but you can't deny that you know i've got a lot of people into traditional archery and i think that saying's kind of funny and it's pretty true it's you know, call it humble or struggle or whatever. And I tried to be nice to the guy, you know, on the phone. He seemed nice enough. But, you know, I had a guy, like a guy posted a photo of a fawn and said, struggle stick my ass. <laughs> well, that doesn't really help the cause. Nothing wrong with shooting a fawn or I don't really care. But you cannot have in one hand saying anti-technology, anti-this, go back to the primitive ways, and in the same breath, act like that that primitive way is as effective as technology. You can't have both. And I like the primitive nature of it. I've changed my views on a lot of things. And Brian's been doing it for, what, 25 years? Have you been shooting a stick? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So he's done a lot longer than me. Well, um, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, number one, you, you know, I, I, I would not, um, I would not, um, make any snide remarks about anybody posting a picture with a shooting a fawn just because you don't post the pictures with the ones you shoot doesn't mean you can talk about others. <laughs> um, <laughs> I posted one. Well, and, and that's kind of my point though. It's like, there's nothing wrong. Well, I said there's kidding. nothing wrong with shooting a fawn, but when you, 
hop up there and post a fawn and say struggle stick my ass well fawns are a little bit easier to shoot um in comparison to a six-year-old buck or you know whatever so i'm looking yeah. at this anti-struggle stick anti-aaron post about saying struggle stick and i'm like man guys i've brought a lot of people into traditional archery i can't believe you're freaking out about this so much and i had a guy post i'll keep shooting you keep struggling and you know what's funny is I couldn't find one animal that that guy had shot in pictures. Maybe, maybe he has or whatever. <laughs> I, I just don't get too – obviously, you can be successful with it, and I preach to everyone to try to shoot it, at least give it a whirl. But, my God, it's struggle yeah. and stick. It's two words. It's not that big of a deal. And I don't know. It's kind of caught on with some of the newer generation, and people seem to like it. And I really don't give a shit if people don't like the saying. I mean, it is what it is. That's kind of the allure of the stick bow, though. It is, it's harder, right? So that makes it more, uh, more rewarding when you do yeah. kill, when you do kill something. And yet, I would consider anything that's difficult to succeed at to be a, a bit of a struggle. So I don't know. Well, I don't go to the gym because it's easy. Yeah. I mean, why do you not go to the gym? I don't go to, I don't go to the gym at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, you <laughs> don't go heavy. to the gym because it's hard, and you're going to struggle while you're there. <laughs> I just, dude, I just fucking yeah, get Well, it. what I would say to that is, is you know, I, 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 I would like to talk about that a little bit. I, I don't get into the, the internet volleys uh, very often, but, you know, what I would say to that guy is, is number one, you know, we're not going to call you chainsaw light nut Francis. So <laughs> don't take yourself so damn seriously. You know, I mean, you, you, you can't take things in yourself so seriously. You've just got to lighten up. And so, but the other thing is, is that, you know, the only downside for me with traditional archery, and I know I'm going to get hammered on this, but the only downside for me in the last 25 years with traditional archery was a lot of the traditional archery community. And, um, and when I say that is, is that, you know, there's not a whole lot of us collectively as, as hunters. So when we kind of, you know, group ourselves out in our little cliques and we don't like the others and we talk about the others, it damn sure isn't uh, very beneficial for hunting as a whole. And, you know, I would say pick your battles. Um, you know, these guys, you know, the guys, a lot of people in this traditional archery community, they, they hold themselves out as this, these purest, holier than thou hunters. And it's almost like an elitist type thing. And it's not beneficial to traditional archery. And it never has been and it never will be. And I remember, and Aaron, you got, and Frank, you know this. I mean, I've been a trad bow hunter for a long time. There's been six, seven year stretches where I've gone exclusively with a trad bow, but I hunt with a compound. I hunt with a rifle. I hunt with a shotgun a lot. I do a lot of wing shooting. I'm just an outdoorsman. I fish, I fly fish, I hunt, everything. You know, I'm not some purist by any shape, form, or fashion. But out of anything I've ever done, I can tell you that the most ostracized, alienated, even to the point of humiliated I've ever been is when I used to go into some of these 
archery shops that were predominantly trad that I used to frequent. And I would come in with my compound or I would go to a, a local shoot with my compound. And the, 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 the comments and the, and the jive, you know, jibs and the, just the total ribbing and nasty, you know, referrals to the training wheels and the compounds and cheater and all this kind of stuff. I, I've never felt like that in any other group other than with c- traditional people, you know, uh, you know, making you feel horrible for shooting a, a compound. And what's so funny is, is that I've killed more in a year with a stick bow than all those damn guys put together. But still, I get, I catch shit for shooting a compound every now and then. And it's still that way to some degree. It's getting better, but it's getting better because there's a new breed of hunter coming in the trad bow world that guys like Aaron are bringing in. And I've killed a pile of critters with a stick bow and i can tell you one thing's for certain every stinking one of them has been a damn struggle yeah well you know it's it's funny we you know we were talking about um that flip pilot the walkers k chronicles um yeah which Mm -hmm. you now did you say were you friends with flip or you know him oh yeah absolutely i i saw actually i actually saw flip uh in a picture uh, on a on an Instagram page the other day, and he had it was for a, a, a traditional hunting podcast. And they had a picture of him uh, holding a bow, and I actually the picture the bow in that picture I actually gave him that bow for his 60th birthday. So you know we we, we we've been very good friends for a long time. So what was hilarious? I listened to that podcast, and you would have thought it was me talking the last 15 minutes when he starts to go on about trying to grow traditional archery and i mean literally the guys that do the podcast call me and we're like jesus i mean and flip doesn't know me from adam right i I don't even knows who i am but when he started to go through all the things like you and i talk about is the 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 size of the traditional archery crowd and um you know growing it and everything else it was it was cool to hear that from him um because it's a lot of the views like, like that you and i have or that we've talked about um and so, anyway, not to get on the yeah, traditional. Yeah, we hunted together a lot. Well, we we hunted together a lot, uh, you, you know, years ago, and we took a lot of road trips, like I have with you guys, where we're stuck in the car for a long time, and and we had had that same conversation fifteen, twenty years ago. The same conversation we've had now. Flip and I had those conversations in the car, to where I was a much younger man then, and you know, and he was like, you know, Brian, guys like guys like you and your age you guys have got to you know you're the guys that have got to get out and and promote traditional archery and and get a younger crowd drawn into this and get rid of some of these stuffy shirts um the problem is is we didn't have the vehicle that you guys have now which is you know via social media i mean that is that is but, you know, the, the, the new platform to, to get messages out there and, and people really dig, you know, seeing traditional archery. So, you know, these guys are going to come around. I'm sure they're all good folks. You got to think about it. I mean, it's, it's, it's just like how you guys were raised with things y'all have done. You know, the people that have, you know, recruited and brought people into to traditional archery over the last 25 or 30 years, they've been that elitist you know, we're at on another level type of, of mentality person. And, 
you know, the people that are recruiting people in now are more like you guys. And it's just more, hey, everybody's welcome type thing and shoot what you want, have fun and don't take yourself so damn seriously. Yeah, for, uh, for sure. I mean, I think that, um, uh, you know, overall or whatever, you, looking at all of this, like, I, well, I, I got asked, I did that stupid ask me a question thing, which, by the way, was not a smart move on my part. I not be- for somebody with, with as many followers as you. You probably got about 10,000 questions. Uh, it was insane. But a lot of guys had asked, do I miss shooting a compound? I don't think I responded to it. The only thing I miss about shooting a compound more than anything, and, and it's weird, is I have more fun shooting 3Ds with a stick bow. But I do like shooting tournaments with the compound. As far as hunting goes, there are times occasionally where, you know, it is a little bit frustrating with the recurve of things that I I could do at one time that I can't do now. But it's a lot more rewarding for me, you know, and I I wish I would have had, well, like you, Broderick, I wish I would have had you 10 years ago to open my eyes to it a little bit differently where I had maybe a little bit of a, well... There's a Tracy Gullickson's a guy who tried to get me to shoot. View. I had a jaded view. I mean, and I had the clums around, but they didn't push it on me. And and Tracy Gullickson, who's a guy that shoots over at Rocky Mountain, he he tried to get me to shoot one, but I was overbowed, and my jaded view was so oh, outweighed so much of the good side of it or the good people helping. Well, Frank, I th- you were there a few times where we had guys shooting at 20 yards that couldn't hit the bayhole that would come down telling me how unethical I was shooting a Reinhardt target at 80 or 100 yards. That just doesn't play well. And now I don't give a shit how far a guy shoots, but I'll tell him all he wants to know about a stick bow or a compound if he's willing to listen. And that elitist crowd type of a thing is just not good for for anything, I don't, I don't think. I mean, I, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> no. You know, and you know, what's, what's, what's crazy is, is that, you know, guys that really hunt a lot and do different species and move around and travel a bit, you're, you know, they know that, that certain situations and certain animals are more conducive to a trad bow and certain situations and animals are maybe more conducive to a, a, a compound. And then sometimes if you've got, let's say that Aaron and I or Aaron and Frank are going on a hunt, well, you know, and if you only got four or five days to do maybe a spot and stalk hunt, if you're hunting together and you're both hunting with a trad bow, the odds are pretty high that one of you, one of you are not really going to have a, an opportunity because the other guy may shoot trad flags for four days. So, um, so anyway, you know, I don't mind. I've always been the guy with the trad bow and I have a buddy with me with a compound and it's just a great, it's a great pairing to be effective and efficient on a hunt if you're hunting together. And so I'm kind of enjoying being the compound guy now with Aaron. Number one, I get to sit back and laugh at him. And number two, um, (laughs) you know, it's just a good situation for hunting. You know, of course, uh, Frank and I have not shot the best this year. So with our compound, so we really can't make that analogy (laughs) that we're that much more efficient. (laughs) <laughs> well, I I think what you bring up anyway. is a good idea because, I mean, Frank, when we talked about the high country hunt, what's the first thing I said about this year was, man, we should probably hunt together for at least the first few days because there's deer I just can't get a shot at that he can. And I'm not, you know, tr- I would get, I will get hate mail from traditional archery guys saying that's not true. 
well, whoever says that's not true is full of shit. Yes, if I wait long enough, eventually, obviously, the animal might reposition. But there are certain times that a deer beds that a, a traditional archer has a very, very, very low percentage to get inside of that sub-30, sub-25 range where, you know, Frank can drop it at 50. That's why you shoot a compound. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't know why anybody have an issue with that. And if Frank and I hunt together the first four or five days on a high country hunt, um, why would I not want him there if we find a 180-inch buck bedded and you can't get more than 50 yards from it? One, it'd be selfish if I didn't say, Frank, go kill that thing. And two, it'd be stupid because you just don't get that many chances at deer like that. And, and of course, I'm going it, to, it's nice. And if there's another deer that's closer, I mean, I know Frank well enough. If there's a, right, Frank, if there's a 180-inch <laughs> deer that I can get close enough to, Frank's going to say, go ahead, that one's yours. I don't think there's anything wrong with either of those situations. I think it's a good pairing. I mean, you, every situation is different. Hell, you know, on spot and stalk animals, you never know when cover's going to run out. And again, cover may run out at 25. It may run out at 60, you know? So you just, you just never know. I mean, it's, um, I don't know. I think, I just think it's fun to hunt together. And, and what's cool about it is, is that it doesn't cross our mind when any of the three of us are hunting together, whether one's hunting with a trad bow or one's hunting with a compound. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's almost like people, when they talk about race, they say, well, I don't see color. Well, there's a lot of guys out there that they don't see a difference in or make a distinction or a judgment on what somebody's hunting with. It doesn't matter to me. It's not even something that goes into my thought process. And so I don't understand why these guys take it so damn serious. Um, you know, trad hunting is a beautiful sport. It, it really is. And it's, it's something that requires so much commitment. Um, and I think that anyone that's willing to put in that level of commitment they can call it any goddamn thing they want to i mean shit you've earned it you know i mean call it whatever the hell you want to but good gosh man don't judge somebody else for it so uh anyway these guys need to lighten up they need to embrace what you're doing um because all you're doing is raising their shit. You know, you're you're a rising tide that's raising all ships, and it just doesn't make sense to, to fight it, you know? Well, let's look at it this way, and I tried not to get irritated at the guy on the phone. Um, he talked for about five minutes, and I said, I don't disagree with anything that you're saying. I just think that the word's fine, doesn't bug me, whatever, you know? But the thing, you want to talk about a, a false sales pitch is, hey, pick up the recurve. It's going to be smooth sailing. You're going to love it. Well, there might be parts of that that are true, but if you say, hey, man, you pick this thing up, it's going to take a ton of work. You're going to be humbled. You're going to struggle. But, man, when you finally pull it off, it'll be one of the best, most rewarding feelings you've ever had. Is somebody going to look at everything I just said, pick the one word out struggle stick and say, fuck that, I'm not shooting that thing? Well, that's the way these guys are treating that specific word where... I don't know. Most guys that I talk to, they're like, man, I'm picking up the struggle stick this year. I'm selling all my compound stuff. Okay, well, I think I've done my part to promote oh, traditional oh. archery. <laughs> Do you remember, This is I, I swear to you, Frank, you're not going to believe this, but this is the God's honest truth. Aaron hung up the phone with the guy, and I was very proud of him because he didn't drop any F-bombs or, you know, FUs or anything like that on the guy. He was very diplomatic, very un-Aaron-esque. And um, we loaded up, and we were headed out to hunt. And literally, 
on the way out, I was answering phone calls, you know, on the day six line. And uh, a preacher called from, uh, God, where was he from? I swore I was going to remember his name, Aaron. I remember Wasn't he talking from Missouri? About, yeah, back, yeah, more of the Midwest, East, East area. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I can't remember exactly. Really nice guy. And Aaron and I are in the buggy, headed, we're hunting, and I'm talking to the guy on the phone. And he was wanting arrow recommendations. He had just gotten a new uh, stalker, stick bow. He was so excited. He was, we were going to get him some arrows set up, you know, for his new bow. And he said, hey, tell Aaron that the only reason that I'm getting into this um, is because of, uh, because of him and all his journeys with his struggle stick. And, I mean, it was just meant to be. Now, the funny part of it is is that he didn't tell us he was a preacher until the very end because I was like, fuck yeah, man, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> He's like, y'all mother effers need Jesus. <laughs> Here's another, after all yeah. of this is going on, remember the guy Pope and Young called me, and and for the traditional archery yeah. Pope and Young book, they want to structure it off of the journey with the struggle stick. Well, that's pretty good justification in a 20-minute period of time of talking with guys. And uh, you talk about, like, potato, potato, like, really, like, twisting things up. Whether you want to call it a humble stick or struggle stick, my thing is, is I think there is a certain amount of people, at, whether they're a place and space in their life with the compound or just getting into archery, that are going to far more enjoy a recurve. And I wish it would have been brought to my attention earlier. And there's going to be some people that just flat out probably shouldn't shoot a traditional bow. I mean, it's just you know, there's going to be guys that should shoot a rifle. Why you're hiding from the fact it takes hard work to shoot a recurve um, or or take an animal with a recurve is beyond me. It's like false hashtagging that thing deadly stick is a little bit of it's almost like a glamour shot of a big fat chick. You're not getting the total package, <laughs> oh right? It's just not. And so I think that if you if you explain it the way that, you know, we've talked, you work hard at it, you practice, there's something primal about it, stump shooting is awesome. That's what I try to tell guys. And, yeah, you're going to struggle sometimes. That's just life. But, I mean, the bigger the struggle, bigger the reward. So I don't give a shit if people don't like it. I'm not going to stop using that term. I think it's cool. It doesn't bug me a bit. Well, that's hilarious, but... Anyway, we beat that one to death. Uh, you want to talk about Florida? Because that was, I think that was pretty eye-opening for you. Yeah, well, let's talk about first the, so we we, we get down there, and uh, dude, there's like a 9 and 11 foot gator that I didn't end up being able to shoot. We didn't get a tag, which was pretty epic looking. But the hog thing was cool, but honestly, the funnest I had, I got to say, well, can I mention the guy we went to, is he going to flip out if I mention his name, who we were with? Who, uh, Scott? Well, there you go. So, so we were with Scott Crippen. He owns White's Tackle, right? Is it White Tackle? Yeah. White's? Yeah, White's Tackle. Yeah, White's only. So, so Brian Broderick explains to me how Scott talks, right? And he, it's not like he talks. He just he talks fast, and he's like, I don't know. Broderick, do you want to do an explanation of <laughs> – he just he just was like, oh, you know, he'll be like, yeah, my kids want to stay here. They would bust hard with you, motherfuckers. <laughs> and he just, he just talks. Yeah. <laughs> and well, Scott, well, Scott Scott is he's he's a unique individual. He's about the funniest human on the planet. And and 
he, like he'll he'll call me up and go, "What are y'all doing?" I'm like, "Well, we're hunting." Goddamn hogs! We got the whole fucking yard. Fuck these little fuckers! Come down here and kill them. Let's go. Come on. I mean, that's how he talks real fast. We're like, okay. You want us to come right now? Yep, come right now. Let's get them. Come on. They're here. It's like, okay. <laughs> so. Off we go. We had to, uh, you know, in the interim, we had to do, I had to do some actual work in the middle of all this. And we were about. Yeah, that we, sucked. Yeah, we had to delay it a little bit, which didn't matter because it was hotter than hell anyway. So w- when we, we ended up making the drive, we, we had a delay, whatever, not a delay. We had planned it. We had to stay a little bit longer, which didn't matter too much. So we get down there and. I got to say the funnest I had was frog catching and bass fishing. By the way, Broderick, who caught more fish that day? Oh, God. <laughs> I kicked his ass. Uh, roll, rolling, rolling Snyder. <laughs> you know what else I got? In the I back got? of the boat, butts out, guns out. Oh, dude, I got fried. Uh, I got sunburnt bad, but there was horrible. frogs everywhere. And then we went. We we didn't have frog gigs, and so we had a couple different ideas to how to catch them. Well, we ended up just basically Broderick and I on the front of the boat, and Scott driving around, and us catching them with their hand, big frogs. And uh, dude, between that and the bass fishing, I think that was just as fun as as anything else. But um, I shot a couple on piglets. Ball, yeah, yeah, I shot some some pigs with my bow, and then uh, we broke out the uh, three hundred blackout, and uh, had a heyday with that thing as well. It was it was fun. Um, and dude, he's right. Scott is pretty freaking funny. Good God, he's funnier <laughs> than hell. But I, yeah, I didn't think I'd like yeah. f- Florida, dude. I want to go down there every fret February. That was the bomb. dot com. Plus, the weather's nice. Yeah, you Florida, come, come when from people here. ask me about like where one of my favorite places I've hunted is, I always tell them Florida's right at the top. Um, Central Florida is one of the wildest places, you know on the planet. It is, it is not what you picture if you've never been to the central part of the state and man, it's just wild and marshy and there's just critters everywhere, but it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. You just, I don't know that I've ever seen prettier sunsets than, than there in, in, in central Florida over those marshes and all. And there's damn critters everywhere. Half of them bite you, half of them won't. Um, but it's just a lot of fun and, Normally, when we go down there, it is literally you can't get an arrow on your bow fast enough, um, you know, for all the hogs. And this trip, I just don't know. Hogs are gypsies. They come and go. And I think, uh, you know, they they had moved off onto something and there was just a handful there. And we harassed them a pretty good bit. But like I say, the smaller the target the better Aaron Snyder is with that stick bow because (laughs) not only did he kill a small hog, he killed two with one shot. (laughs) I'm talking about Robin hood legend status. One may have been, I'm not going to talk about what the two were doing when he shot him, (laughs) but there was some he and she and going on (laughs) when the arrow was turning. Oh Lord. Yeah. (laughs) Good times. It it was fun. And, and, uh, you know, come, you know, it kind of like when people are like, I can't believe you can hunt in a tree stand. Don't you get bored? And it's like, man, I love hunting in a tree stand. And, um, you know, the hunting down there or whatever, it was, it was nice. Um, you know, what far as weather wise or, you know, and I mean, it, 
it's always nice to go to different, you know, areas, but that place was just pretty cool. And it was a good break. I was about ready to kill 17 people anyway from high stress or whatever and phone ringing off the hook. So it was a break I needed. Well, it's funny. The the first morning was the coldest morning and it was, I think, uh, 59. And Scott was bundled up like Nanook of the North. And like a black alarm or whatever. <laughs> the whole way back going, Oh, it's fucking cold. This is ridiculous. Let's wait till the sun comes up. This is too cold. This is crazy. I had a sleeveless t shirt on. <laughs> oh, man. You, you, the thing that's down there. He had there, a hood on, down jacket. Oh, yeah. The thing that's, that's, I mean, one of the coolest things about down there or whatever, I mean, this is totally coming from a guy who doesn't like freezing to death, is you get down there and he had deer running around or whatever, but. It was nice for me because I could just go sit on the porch in February, fling a few arrows, chill out, you know. I mean, it was just, I mean, the weather was just super nice. But, I mean, I think I Scott messaged me, talked about us going back down there and putting in and going to, is it Oak, Okeechobee? Am I saying that right? Uh-huh. Yeah, for yeah. Uh, like for a pu- gators? public land gator thing, getting a couple, um, they're putting in yep. for the tags. Um which yeah. oh yeah yeah he's got he's got a guy that's got got all that lined out and that's that's what we used to do we used to go with one of the commercial guys and that's a lot of fun and the real fun is you know if you can get like the the guy that does the trapping on his place you know the gator trapping if you can get with one of those guys and and you know try to slip in on one on you know private land but i mean you saw they're pretty wary i mean you can't even get near we were trying to get near them and take photos and i mean they looked like they were sound asleep, facing away, couldn't see their eyes. We got within a hundred yards and they just turned gone. I mean, they're, they're smarter than you think they are. You see, in these guys, we were going around all kinds of different birds and I'm glad <laughs> they didn't try to, I mean, I didn't know any difference. They could have told me to shoot some for dinner or whatever. I wouldn't have known. There were so many different birds down there. We had pink birds and white birds and tall birds. What all Flamingos. What all, there was those two. There's sandhill cranes, and there's some other shit. I didn't even know what it was. They were like <laughs> laughing about. I wouldn't know any better. Uh, what all were those? Well, I, I, uh, there was there was all different types of ibis, and there was wood storks. Uh, uh, the roseate spoonbills was the the pink ones that we saw, um, and then um, uh, of course sandhill cranes out the wazoo. That place is just absolutely loaded. And they don't even have a sandhill season, which is what's obscene. But uh, yeah, Scott and I were laughing. We were sitting there thinking, man, we could tell Snyder that, you know, all these birds are really good to eat and, and tell him to shoot a bunch of these birds and take a picture with them. I mean, of course, they're all, you can't shoot any of them. So, But we thought we would <laughs> probably refrain from screwing with him. But I don't know if it's frowned upon to catch alligators, um, but if it's not frowned upon and okay, and I happen to have caught one, that was pretty damn cool if, if that, in fact, did happen. Um I dude, we were catching those frogs, and there was one I was gonna grab a hold of, uh, alligator. I didn't know any better, and I don't know how big was that thing when you pulled me in. We're like, hey, that one might be a little big for you. <laughs> what was that one? Probably three foot. Well, he he said, well, he said, can I grab one of these gators? And I said, yeah, if you want to grab it, grab it. Just let it go. So we're easing along there, and there was like a a four footer, but all Aaron could see was his, was his head. 
And I saw him like stick his arm out. I'm like, oh, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. We're talking about like a, a lizard size. Like you see, you know, the lizard you see in the pet store. Not not that. You don't want to grab that one. So then when we went over, he saw how big it was. He's like, oh, that would have sucked. Yeah. So then we got on a little guy and he reached down and grabbed it. And when I told him, you know, once he grabbed it, just to let it back go. Well, when he grabbed it. He he did let it go, but he turned around like he was going to put it in the boat, and we're like, "No!" <laughs> I may have been slightly nervous. <laughs> uh. he, he let it go. So anyway, it was it was pretty funny. But I mean, like when Scott and I get together, he's been my trad hunting trad hunting partner for the longest time because you know it's it's when I was doing it for so long, it was hard to find a guy my age that hunted with a trad bow. It was all old dudes like Flip, you know. And I loved hunting with Flip, but, you know, it was, you know, Flip goes to bed at seven. So it was, uh, he's kind of like Aaron, you know? Saying, There's nothing so wrong with that. Flip and I are going to get on great. Um, <laughs> yeah, these guys were yeah. fucking down in but, beers, um, by the way, and wine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Scott and I just go hard. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll hunt all day, come in, cook a big meal, and then we'll go hook up to a boat or whatever. And, I mean, we're going to go, you know, frog or fish or whatever we'll do that all night and then we'll just you know keep going until it's until you're out of out of gas but um i mean that's what's what what's great about florida is i mean you can constantly if, if you're an outdoorsman there's not a better place because you know you can literally get up in the morning and go hunt daylight you know till eight or nine o'clock and you can go hunt hogs or turkeys or whatever you can come in get something to eat go drop the boat in you know, run a mile or two offshore and, you know, sight fish for cobia all day. I mean, just there's constantly something to do. And that part of Florida, that central part, you know, uh, that East Coast area, Fort Pierce and all that Okeechobee area, you know, it's just so game rich. The fishing is so good. I mean, my gosh, man, when we were there, if I would have known what was going on offshore, we would have gone sail fishing. You know, our buddies that have boats there, you know, they were catching uh, like 15 to 20 sailfish a day on dead bait. I mean, it wasn't, this wasn't even a live bait. I mean, they were trolling, catching 15 to 20 sailfish a day while we were there. And I didn't know that was going on until we were you know, getting ready to leave. So there's just always something to do down there to where, gosh, anywhere else. I mean, once the season's over, you know, especially where you guys are, it's three feet of snow and you can't do shit. Yeah, that's no no lie. Um, yeah, I I'm uh, I'm excited about uh, going back down there. Of course, I'm inviting myself. I mean, he said I'd come back down or whatever, but he's uh, Scott is pretty damn funny. Um, and then we went on another dude's um, uh, place and and screwed around there. We didn't really get into anything. I just saw the devastation of what hogs do, and then I ate a wild orange. I couldn't feel my lips for thirty minutes. Really? Quite a bit more citrusy than a standard <laughs> orange. Um, is that? Is, are they normally like yeah, that? Or I eat it? Acidic. Jesus, dude, my lips were burning and shit. It was. It was good, but oh, I just pulled it off the tree and ate one because I'm a fat fuck, and uh, it was good. But good God, my <laughs> lips were on fire or burning. You know. Speaking. Uh, speaking of food, what yeah, those it, wild ones are. Uh, I don't know why, but the wild ones are real, real acidic. They're real. They're real sour. Now the animals love them, but I don't know why the the wild ones are that way. But they've all always been that way. I I did the same thing you did, Aaron, the first time I walked up on one. I thought it would be so cool to pick one off the tree and 
and it was almost like eating a green persimmon, you know. But uh, I mean, but you've got to say that that is wild country down. There. I mean, it's not what you think once you get off in the you know in the woods and the bush there. I mean, it's 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 some wild pretty stuff. I mean, those those oak hammocks with all the palmettos and the palm trees all inside the you know the hardwood bottoms they're beautiful. Yeah, no, it's it's very. Um, I, the, uh, one thing I wouldn't mind doing at some point going down there is there's a lot to photograph if you have time and you're thinking about it. There is a lot of cool stuff to take um, to take pictures of, and I got a few decent ones. But yeah, it was it was pretty cool. I think um, I, I can see. I never understood like not understood. You know, when you're a guy from from Oregon or the or the West, and then you know you don't really ever. You know, your only traveling or living you've done is heading to Minnesota, like myself. Um, you know, you don't really think too much about, you know, traveling south for the winter like some people do. And, uh, man, sign me up for that shit. I'm ready to travel to uh, the south for a couple months, uh, the colder months every year because you're more active. The weather's nicer. You're more apt to go stu- do stuff. You There's more hunting. Um, and the snow's cool and all, but, you know... I don't really like four months of snow. I'm, I like one month of snow. So I, it was great for me. It was a nice, it was good to decompress. I want to hear about what you guys were eating over there. I saw a plate full of, of, uh, of yeah, Aaron had a plate full of like, I don't what was it? A, a huge pile of fried. Deep fried everything. Yeah. Where'd we go? That was an all you could oh, eat well, place. Yeah. Oh, that was uh, Sisters in uh, Sisters restaurant in Troy, Alabama. <laughs> the little The little girl at the, um, at the register when Aaron was checking out, Aaron's like, Oh my Lord, I have, I can't believe how much I ate. I could not live here. I would, you know, I couldn't eat this much. And she said, yeah, if you eat here every day, you will die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's no shit. I said, I said, well, honey, y'all should put that on your billboard out front. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, uh, that's a hundred percent. She oh, was man, laughing dessert, when she said that it. dessert bar they had. Woo. Yeah, well, it uh, luckily I didn't really gain any weight, surprisingly enough. Um, although compared to f- other trips, um, I didn't eat as much as I normally do, and I still ate too much. Foshi, though, was down there. He doesn't Foshi doesn't wake up early, so when we'd get back from the morning hunts, he'd cook. Um, and yeah, I I definitely ate more than I probably should have when I was down there, but it was it was fun. That's in Alabama. We ate fairly decent. We actually oh we had stone crab. That'll look good. Yeah, it was. Oh you my sent, gosh! You sent Amy Frank, some. I, yeah. I, yeah, I told I told Scott to get some for for Aaron because he had never had any, and so we had them. And I told Aaron, I said, "Hey, snap a photo of those and and shoot them to Amy because Amy's from South Florida." And so he he didn't know what he was doing, so he took a picture of them and sent them to Amy. And Amy's response was, "F you." <laughs> <laughs> so, so we got a line and overnighted her some to her house. That's awesome. So, uh, uh, yeah, it was cool. Do they? But she was pretty surprised, wasn't she? Yeah, it looked like she was. Aaron just went to the bathroom, but uh, um, do they have? I saw like a while back on TV. The, there's like a bunch of these like little muskrat things that tear up the uh, like the canals and stuff. Do you guys ever go and shoot those things? I don't. Are they muskrats? You know what I'm talking about? You talking about the nutria? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the nutria. Yeah, no. Um, they're not they're not as bad like we don't really have them where we are 
Um, they're bad in Louisiana, and they've moved their way up into like Arkansas, and you know, kind of going up that area. Um, there certainly are some in Florida, but not like it is in like Louisiana and Arkansas and uh, like Eastern Texas and stuff like that. But yeah, nutri are basically just little beavers without without a, a beaver tail. They have like a rat tail, but we don't have them. But um, now the, the 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 stone crabs are like. For anybody that's never had a stone crab, I mean, I can't even describe the taste of it. I mean, it's it's one of the the the, the sweetest, richest meats uh, out of anything you'll ever have. I don't know that there's another uh, crab that uh, you know the meat tastes as 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 good as that does. It's just I don't know. It's it's something else, but it's expensive. Yeah, it was good. Amy was super happy. She actually didn't get it on time. They credited your card back, or they should have. Um, for the the shipping she got it the day after that since she was super happy um it is easy to get large and in charge down there my god the food is good um and and that stone crab i don't think i'd I'd had crab before being from oregon obviously went crabbing but not stone crab or not that i know of anyway and it was it was damn good but the um I mean, you were raised doing all of that stuff. So a lot of the stuff you talk about, you know, as far as different fishing and whatever, everything else, I just haven't been a part of, or I've, you know, I've never really done it. So it's all new to me on some of the stuff. And so it's, it's always an adventure heading down there. Um, I know best part for me. It's just grocery shopping for us. Yeah. Well, right now, what is it? Eight degrees outside and snowing. And, uh, you know, two weeks ago I was in shorts and a t-shirt catching frogs and bass so yeah it's a nice break yeah uh frank aaron got roasted his arms oh my <laughs> I god saw it was that. Uh, looked like a lobster i mean they were like pepto-bismol pink the next day it was <laughs> glorious yeah um it was <laughs> Lots of fun though. it was yeah it was pretty bad how um how uh on the arrow side of things do you want to talk about any any stuff uh up and coming yeah. Yeah, we can. Um, yeah, by the time this releases, we should have our act together. Um, well, I mean, you, you, you've actually played more with the, the new component system than I have. So you can, you can kind of talk about it a little bit, Aaron. Well, it, uh, you, you've actually installed them and shot them for a while now. Yeah, no, I'm, well, I think I'm more excited than anyone. You, you basically have what looks like a half out um, that goes, you know, you've got the uh, portion that goes inside of the arrow and then the half out of the portion that sticks out of the arrow does look just like a half out, but it's threaded. And then you have a collar um, or an outsert that goes over that and it's threaded as well. And so that threads on top of that, you know, more or less half out. What that allows you to do is it, it one is extremely consistent because the inside diameter of the arrow is extremely tight tolerances as well as the outside diameter of that, um, you know, the, the center pin or the, or the rod or the shank going into the arrow. Then you have the increased durability of that that beefs up the front of your arrow, uh, which is huge. And then you put the outsert or the collar on, and, and it's called the centric system. Uh, but then you add that to it, that adds more consistency, more durability. Um, and if you, you can glue on just that, uh, you know, the center pin uh, half out portion, or the most durable is going to be gluing on both at the same time. But it allows you to, if you don't glue on that outsert, 
you can change and screw around tuning, which is more of a trad thing, but you can pull the outsert off and screw on a different one if you wanted to try to tune it that way. Um, but it's more consistent, more durable, spins true. I mean, it's just better in every way. And uh, it's patent pending. No one's ever done it before. So that's also exciting. It allows you to get all the benefits of center pin technology without being stuck with one broadhead. Um, I don't know. How did I do explaining that, Brian? Did I leave that's right. Out? You, you did. You did good. I mean, you know, this system that we have now, it was my original concept that I wanted. And when I started this process 18 months ago, uh, trying to, you know, build the components that were going to go with the arrows, this was my original design. And all the different machine shops that I went to, you know, said that we can do everything but the collar the way, the way you want it built. It's just impossible to tool. And so I went through two or three people, and I took no for an answer, and then I moved to the system that we've been using, which is the two, you know, the two separate pieces to where the, the structural pin goes into the end of the arrow, and then the, the outsert slides over the end, and all the threading and everything is encompassed in the, in the outsert part. But what it did was is it, 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 the structural pin was only for strength, um, and it didn't help any with you know, concentricity or having it straight and true where it would spin perfect. So we got, you know, we've, we've been in business, believe it or not, only six months now, but in six months, um, I basically just took note of all the complaints that people had and believe it or not, it was basically all the same thing. Uh, the first one, number one was, is my outsert, uh, is pulling off in my target. I'm like, okay, how do we fix that? Uh, number two, when I'm installing them, I'm getting uh, glue up in the threads of the outsert, and I'm having a hard time getting a point in. So that was the second thing that we would get. Um, the third thing is is that uh, when I installed it, um, I, I didn't get it you know, set and true before the epoxy or the max bond or max impact setup. So it's got a little wobble in it. Um, you know, and then of course the 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 third thing is is that we're having to you know to sand the end of the arrow uh, to get it to fit. We're having to sand some of the arrows to get it to fit. So, and by that, what I mean is is what Aaron said is that the inside of the arrow, the inside diameter of the shaft is identical from shaft to shaft to shaft within one thousandth of an inch, which like which is like a third of the size of a hair. But the outside of the arrow, it's impossible to get it that consistent um, because it's, you know, it's basically wraps going around that. So, you know, it may only be from, you know, 12 shafts, the outside diameter may only vary, say, the thickness of a human hair. But when you're trying to build tight tolerances for something to slide over it, you basically have to build it to either the largest diameter where it, you know, or the smallest diameter. Well, if you build it to the largest diameter, when you put it on a smaller one, it's going to have wobble in it. So we built it to the smallest diameter possible. So if you had to sand a little bit on the end to get it to slide over, it would be a, you know, a perfect fit and keep it, it would keep it straight, but it's kind of a pain in the butt. So this system basically solves the four complaints that we got from customers in the first six months. And 
by gluing in, you know, the insert part into the shaft, you have basically that, you know, inch and a quarter, inch and a half pin going into the shaft that's glued in. That's one point of contact. And then when you glue the collar or the outsert over that, which at this point now it's just a structural collar, it threads on. So even if your glue bond failed, it's still threaded to the other piece and it can't pull off. So that solved that. And then the other thing is, is there's no opening now, you know, where glue could ever get into the insides of the threads to where your broadhead, your point goes. So that eliminated that. And then having, you know, the threaded part where the, where the head actually screws in all one piece connected with the pin all the way through the center of the arrow. Now you've got something that's perfectly concentric and it will always spin true. And now the collar is just strictly for support. It's not serving any other purpose. Um, and then the other thing is, is that now we can build that collar to the largest diameter of the possible size of the shaft. So if it is a little loose uh, on the smaller shaft, um, it doesn't matter now because it's connected. Once it's threaded on and connected to the insert part, you know, that the glue just fills up that void, which is, you know, of course, less than a human hair, but you know, you know what I'm saying? So we took the feedback, figured out a way to do the, the, the parts and basically just twisted, you know, the people's arm and said, Hey, you're going to have to figure out how to build this or we're going to go somewhere else. And they did it. And they've done a great job, I think. Yeah, no, I, everything he said is pretty much what I found. And we've tried a ton of different, um, Oh, I guess concoctions in the sense of the best that I have found is an aluminum uh, center pin half out or half out and then a stainless um, outsert over that as far as what I've been screwing around with, which was surprising. At first, I thought a stainless uh, center pin half out would be more durable, but I don't really see, you know, there's a difference. The aluminum does just as good, if not better. Um, and those are all questions guys have asked, but it's, it's been, it's been a, I say huge stress reliever. It is a simpler system once you understand it to deal with. And I'm excited about that as well. Cause trying to explain some of this stuff to guys just getting into it can be a bit of a pain in the butt. Yeah. So now what we do is, is now we have a, uh, a cut service. We cut to length. So, when you order your arrows, uh, we cut them, but we send, you know, these new components loose. And then we've gone and we, we had uh, the epoxy packets manufactured with the epoxy we like to use. So now that's included. So really now all you have to do when you get them is just, you know, just cut the end of the little packet, mix your epoxy, literally just take, you know, the component, put it together and, you know, put some epoxy on it and literally slide it on. I mean, it is so simple to install now. And we were installing them ourselves, but the reason we want the customer to do it is, is that if you'll install these yourself, which is basically just sliding it on with epoxy on it, you can slide it on with a with a point in there, and now you can spin test your arrows and you can slightly rotate that that you know that uh, component around until you get the perfect perfect rotation and everybody should do that you know and i mean it's it's easy to do and and it gives uh gives everybody an opportunity to get them you know spinning perfect with their broadheads before the epoxy ever sets up now you've got a really sweet tuned system that's uh that's kind of cool but the other thing is for trad guys is that 
if you want to take the, if you just want to unscrew the components, take them apart, you can just, you know, glue the inside insert part, you know, the, the insert half out looking part in first. And then you can try to bear shaft tune with an aluminum collar because the two parts together in aluminum equal 50 grains. And then if you need to, you know, go heavier, you can unscrew the aluminum collar and screw the stainless on. And now that's 100 grains and you can try that. And, uh, and for guys that really want a lot of weight, you know, we have, we are, we're going to, you know, we do have some, um, stainless steel insert parts that you can combine with stainless steel collars. And that would actually be 150 grains, you know, for the FOC guys that really want to, you know, shoot a bunch up front. So the cool thing about that is if you want to shoot 300 up front, you know, you can put 150 grain, you know, component up there and then your options for buying broadheads now is wide open because lots of people make a 150 grain head. Yeah. And you don't need to worry about shooting a super small, low profile head. If you're shooting 300 up front, cause you're probably not burning the buildings down in speed. So it'll be easier to tune, but that's something we can go over on and that's a different for trad guys. Really? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of, yeah. although there's more and more compound guys, surprisingly enough, shooting 300 up front, but I was surprised. Um, yeah. So that was yeah. cool. Um, and uh, I am amazed how many people are starting to cater to the, I'm happy, the heavier side of things. Um, you know, the, the podcast, mm-hmm. like I said, with Tim, his views were a lot different than the feedback that I get on a lot of this stuff. And um, he was talking about guys shooting 300 grain arrows at, you know, whitetails with mechanicals and because the speed of the speed and everything. And, you know, I guess yeah, a lot of ways you shoot what you're comfortable with, because I already know your views on that. Um I know I was shooting yep. a barn burner the first year I went down there and yeah, those deer get out of the way. I don't, I don't know that. I mean, I think I would have had a much rather had a, a lot quieter bow and I would have had a lot better luck than, uh, shooting a louder bow with a, you know, some more speed. Well, I mean, until we shoot an arrow at 1100 feet per second, um, you're going to have to pay attention to noise. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just have a hard time believing a guy shooting a 300 feet per second bow has got a whisper quiet. Yeah, it's it's impossible. You know, I don't I don't care I don't care what you say, what you do. I mean, you know, the bow is not the bow is not using its energy efficiently. You know, it's putting you know, I mean, it's putting twenty percent of its energy back into the bow, back into its limbs and its riser in the form of vibration and noise. So, um, you know, it's not like you're going to lose you know twenty five percent speed you know, by going up 25% on your airway, that's not how it works. Uh, you only lose a small percentage of speed because the bow is operating more efficiently now. So it's, it's just something people are just going to have to figure out on their own. It's just, no matter how much you and I talk about it, guys, I mean, it's just something people have to figure out, but once they get it, you know, the light bulb will go off and they'll understand it. No, I think you're, I think you're right. But well, man, we're about an hour and 15 minutes. We should probably get off the horn here. You got anything you want to add? Yeah. No, no, no. It was it was lots of fun. Um, um, viva la struggle stick and rock on. <laughs> I didn't know you spoke Spanish. Uh, you son yeah. of a bitch. Oh, <laughs> uh, shit. Well, man, I appreciate I you. Uh, more than you. <laughs> yeah, that's he's got a point. That's Frank. true. That is true. Oh shit! Oh man. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for yeah. coming on, and uh, well, I'll be calling you later on about some other business anyway. And uh, Frank's, I appreciate yep. you going to the show while I was hunting. 
I just had to keep hammering. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. All right, Brian, take it easy. See you. See you guys.